Hello, this is Zach Cherian. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. We are really excited to bring you this teaching. Please open your heart and, if you can, your Bibles and receive this word from the Lord recorded live at Brazen Grace Fellowship. Um, I'm going to give you five foundations that I believe is necessary in the life of every New Covenant believer. Um, while you sit in this lesson, you have to understand, this is something that came to me and it was beautiful. I'm going to use it now a lot. Put on your sunglasses. Mm. Yes. S-O-N, glasses. All right? So everything I'm teaching, look at it through the sunglasses. Because if you are going to look at it through your slave glasses, you're going to think, oh my God, I said so much to do. And um, you're going you're to have to look at it through your identity. Look at it through where God has you, what you know as who you are in Christ. Um, this is really important. This is not, you know, I mean, in, in a way, in a way, it is important to go back to our foundations once we have come to grace. Yeah. And to just see some things that are important for growth. I'm, I'm, I'm amused at how many people whine about how their life is miserable and how things aren't moving and how things aren't changing and nothing's going and, uh, you know, and, and, and they think that being in church on Sunday is somehow this magic Thing to transform everything. Being in church is great. You will, you'll get impact. But for true influence, impact is one little boom and then it's done. But for influence, yeah, influence is that which remains. There needs to be some things done and that's really important for us to understand. So um, prioritizing the things of God is really important. So I'm going to take you through five F's. Can we do that? Yes. We, did, we did honor. We did holiness for a while. We did honor for a while. And then I did hunger, right? Yeah, but uh, just simple foundations, but I, I want you all to write this down because I want this to be at the top of your life list on a daily basis. I believe this is the key to, um, this is the key to your fruitfulness. Amen. And the reason I'm speaking it to you so positively is because you are already faithful. Faithfulness is already a part of your identity. Faithfulness is not something you're growing into. Faithfulness is who you are. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentle, faithfulness. All right? Faithfulness is something that you are. Amen. Amen. If you don't believe that you already are it, you'll try to become more faithful and therefore canceling yourself from that which you already are. Just like the Garden of Eden. Whenever you try to earn something that God has given to you as a gift, you cancel out the benefits of living in the fullness of that. Don't forget that. Whenever you live and you try to earn something that God has given to you as a gift, it is no longer a gift and therefore the benefits of that gift are not yours anymore. Amen. So one of the reasons why New Covenant believers don't live in the fullness of the finished work of the cross is because they try to earn that which was given to them free by the Lord. Right. All right. That which was given to them freely is now they start fasting for, for it. They start working towards it. They start doing things to get something that's theirs. So while I'm going to teach you these things, I want you to understand that the key to all of this is faithfulness in this area. It's consistency. And by faithfulness, I mean consistency. Amen. Yeah. Faithfulness is not you doing one act of faith. Faithfulness is you being full of faith. Amen. Amen. It's you living a lifestyle of faith. So it's really important to um, understand that faithfulness is the key to fruitfulness. But that's not neither of the F's that I'm teaching on today. All right. But, but I want to I talk to you uh, to understand that while you are doing this, I don't want you to feel like, oh God, I have to. No, you already have it. Mm. But as anything else in the new covenant, what you're not aware of, you will not manifest. Mm. Please hear me. 
like everything else in the new covenant, this is really important. That's how the balance of grace and faith comes together, right? What you're not aware of, you will not manifest. Amen? If you're not aware of something that you already have, you will try to get it. When you try to get it, you walk out of rather just saying, thank you, Lord, that I already have it and I walk in it. You will start trying to earn something that's yours and cancel out the benefits of something that's yours. Like faithfulness. So faithfulness is a fruit. Amen. 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 Faithfulness is a fruit. I don't want, you know, I know people say faithfulness is being full of faith. It really isn't really. I mean, the definition of faithfulness is consistency. Mm. Yeah. You are naturally a consistent believer. Yeah. Right. Amen. But the truth is you are a consistent believer. Amen. Amen. The reality is you are who you are and you're never going to live in the fullness of who you are until you accept who you are. People twist that and use that for the other stuff, but that's not who you are. You are not a sinner. Amen. Amen. You are not, you are not guilty. You are not unworthy. You are holy. You are righteous. Love is who you are. Jesus said, you are just like me and Jesus is love. So guess what you are? You're full of love too. Amen. You're a walking, living manifestation of love. It's really important that you understand this. You're a, you're a walking manifestation of love, joy. You're a ma- walking manifestation of peace. You're a walking manifestation of patience. You're a walking manifestation of kindness. You are a walking manifestation of gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's who you are. This is God saying that's who you are. The sooner you are, or accept who you are, And be aware of who you are, the sooner you manifest who you are. Amen. Amen. You have to say amen to what God says. God, you say I'm holy. Okay, I accept it. I know my actions don't don't even get in the But Lord, don't you? But Lord, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. You accept what God says about you. Zach, you are healed. I am healed. Okay. Oh, well, but I still got this. Hey, you're healed. You accept what God says. Amen. Because when God said it is when it happened. And God said it 2,000 years ago that you are already holy. So you are already holy. You are already healed. You're already blessed. Now, all you got to do is, number one, say yes to what God says. Accept it. But that's only half of the equation, folks. The other half is being aware of it. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens automatically in the kingdom. Nothing. You have to be aware of what you accepted. Mm. Amen. Amen. If, you are the, if you are the righteousness of God, it's not important to just declare it one time, well, I am righteous, and then you walk on and nothing changes. You got to be aware of the fact that you're righteous Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, I am the righteousness. Wednesday morning, I'm the righteousness. Thursday morning, I am the righteousness of God. You have to live in the awareness. You will never manifest that which you're not aware of. So it's not just accepting your identity. It's living in the awareness of your identity. Come on now. Are you with me? Yeah. This is really important that you understand this because otherwise you will walk around uh, trying to earn it, trying to receive it, trying to become it. None of that stuff is going to work. So, number one, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. The first F I want to talk to you about is this concept of faith. Faith. Amen? And what I want to emphasize on my first F, faith, is Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Okay? I'm, I'm watching a lot of people who come to Brazen Grace, listen to the message of identity, and they expect the message of identity to change them completely. They think, okay, now I got a revelation of who I am, so I'm going to do it. No, it doesn't come like that. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. Amen. There is something to sitting under the right teaching and listening to it again and again. Because what needs to change is not your doing. What needs to change is your believing. Faith comes. Faith what? Your right believing. Your right believing. Faith is what? Right believing. Come on, say faith is right believing. Faith is is believing right about God and believing right about yourself. Faith comes by hearing and hearing. 
Why didn't it just say, faith comes by hearing the word of God? It doesn't say that, does it? It says faith comes by hearing and hearing. There is something to sitting under the, under the right faith teachings. There's something about sitting and listening. Even in the days when we were in the good old Kenneth Hagin days, we would have to listen and listen and listen and boom, suddenly it would activate in our life. We would walk in a, in a victory over, why? Because we sat under it. You cannot live a long-term, uh, a, a long-term Christian life by impact. Long-term Christian life does not come by one small encounter. It comes by daily experiencing and being influenced by message of faith. Amen. Amen. I, and and this, this, there's something I want all of you to understand. The day you came to grace, something changed. If it didn't change, you haven't started walking this grace walk. This is not a continuation of your old theology. Grace is completely different from anything and everything you ever grew up with. It's not a foundational message. It is how, how did Steve, Steve McVeigh put it? He, he said it's, it's, the, it's the border, it's the frame in which everything else fits. Okay? This is really important that we understand this. Because if, if, you, don't, if you don't understand, because I get people telling me, well, but I, you know, I've been trying and I've been waiting. No, you haven't been trying. You didn't even start this new, this new walk with God until you came to grace. Amen. Because something began, it's almost like we got saved again. Amen. Amen. Grace was just so radically different. For those of you that have been a part of my ministry from the post-grace days, you know it was like, whoa. Like you are contradicting everything you're preaching, believer. He said it this way. Uh, Steve McVeigh says, grace is not one piece of the big, bigger picture. Grace is the frame that holds all the pieces in place. Because in him, in grace, everything including all truth is held together. To think grace is only one of the parts is, not to, is, is to not understand. Grace is in one part, but really the whole. Amen? Amen. This is really important that you understand that this message of grace, if there is, there is nothing deeper than grace. That's like saying, some, give me something deeper than Jesus because Jesus is just too shallow. Grace is not a theology. Grace is a person. His name is Jesus. Amen? Amen? This message of grace needs to permeate you. So if things aren't changing, it's because you are just hearing the message of grace, but not hearing and hearing the message of grace. Amen. Because faith comes by hearing, meaning what? You got to hear it till your belief system changes, till the what you believe about yourself changes. This is not a cute theology, people. This is not some, oh, it's a great idea. This is not an idea. This is the word of God. Amen. Amen. The gospel of grace is the word of God. It's not a cute theology. It's not a, oh, it's building upon what I used to know. I mean, I'm grateful for my foundations and what I used to know. But I'll tell you what, man, this is truth. This is truth. Coming from the faith message made it easier to accept some things. But even if I never had the faith foundation, I would still come to the realization that at the end of the day, my grace is useless without faith. Amen. Amen. And to appropriate grace, I live by faith. Amen. And faith happens how? Comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. This is really important that you understand this. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are also surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us easily uh, let us uh, let us lay aside every weight, the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. To do what? To do what? Looking unto Jesus. Or how? No, not to do what? How? By looking unto Jesus. I'm going to read that verse again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? Right? That's the big question. It's easy for me to tell you, stop sinning. Stop sinning. Okay. How? I mean, we'd get beaten up with that. Be holy, be holy, be holy, be holy. Okay, I get it. I know I'm supposed to be. How? Here's verse two. By looking 
unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Which means what? True walk of faith is not me just believe, 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 believe. It's me looking at Jesus and looking at Jesus and looking at Jesus and looking at. It's not just, oh, I just saw him in church on Sunday. So now Monday through Friday, I'm not look at him. No, it's looking at Jesus and looking at Jesus and looking at Jesus. I want you guys, if you really want to see true growth, beloved, I'm telling you, beloved, there's, there's no other ways around it. There is no other way around it. And if looking at Jesus is such a big burden for you, you in the wrong religion. Because he is beautiful. He is beautiful. He's the one you would, you would bunk school to go hide and take a look at because he's gorgeous. He's the one you would skip lunch and go spend time with because he's beautiful. This is not a Jesus who's boring, dull little, oh great, is that prayer, quiet time again. No, he's the one you long to be with. He's the one you long to spend time with. Are you listening to me? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the author. He's the beginning and he's the ending of your faith. But how how do you appropriate this faith? By looking at him. Amen. Not one glance, oops, I'm done, okay, hey. No, it's looking unto Jesus. Fix your eyes on Him. Fix your eyes on Him. The Amplified says, Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief. And it is also its finisher. And He is also its finisher. Meaning what? Bringing to maturity and perfection. This is what Jesus, your ability to keep looking at Jesus is. It's not one hearing. It's hearing and hearing. I'm telling you, we're going to be preaching this message 50 years from now. And you will still listen and go, wow, never got that before. And we've been still preaching this. Why? Because I'll be honest with you, I don't like the title of being, oh, are you grace, grace. No, man, we're a new covenant. You know, we're new covenant people. You, they tag us the grace and that's fine. We like grace too. We love the word grace, but that's not who we are. We are new covenant people who believe the new covenant, all of the new covenant in the context of our sunglasses. Amen. Amen. Looking through our sonship, not through our slavery, not looking through our slave glasses, but through our sunglasses. Come on now. Amen. Amen. This is really important. Looking unto Jesus. So number one, the first faith is hearing and looking, looking and looking, hearing and hearing. You want to walk in faith? Keep hearing. Keep hearing. Go back to sermons you've not heard before. Listen again. If things aren't changing, it isn't because God failed you. But if you listen to your whinings, you think you have a really bad God. Amen. If you listen to the, well, nothing's changing. I've been doing this. I've been, hey, you ain't been doing nothing. This is a lifestyle. This is a, this is a living in something. I mean, I'm, I'm amused when, when, when people have time for everything else, but to sit under the study of the God's word. They come up with the dumbest of ideas to, to do stupid things because we love extracurricular stuff. We don't like sitting under the word of God. The truth is all that stuff don't change you. The word of God is what changes you. I'm telling you. And not just one hearing of the word of God. It's hearing because I promise you, you overcome sin by one sermon. Amen. And then you're like, well, I guess I'm over sin. No, I promise you, you'll struggle with it again. You go back to that message of righteousness and you listen to that stuff again. You listen once again that you are the righteousness of God, that sin has no dominion over you. You go back. You got to go listen and listen and listen, hear and hear and hear. I'm telling you guys, if you are like a, what's that, a pig, a dog going to its own vomit again. That's because you ain't believing right. It's got nothing to do with what am I not doing? What can I stop doing? See that, uh, let's give up, uh, you know, let's, let's lay aside every weight. How do you lay aside every weight? By looking at Jesus. The laying aside of every weight does not happen by you playing, you know, weightlifting. 
It comes by you looking at Jesus and as you behold him, things fall off, things fall off, things fall off. When you look at Jesus, things that are natural have no power over you. You become supernatural. Amen. As long as Peter looked at Jesus, <clears throat> as long as Peter looked at Jesus, the wind and the waves had no power over him. As long as Peter looked at Jesus, sin had no power over him. The natural forces of the world had no power over him. As soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus, well, didn't he look at Jesus once and that enough? No, it's not enough. It's important that you keep your eyes on Jesus. You want to walk over the storm? You fix your eyes on Jesus. Come on now. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. I want you waking up Monday morning, fixing. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Monday morning, Tuesday morning, fix your eyes on Jesus. How do you do that? Get in the word. Listen to, well, the Bible don't make sense. Then listen to somebody else to whom it does make sense. There's nothing wrong with that. Put in a CD for somebody who actually gets it. I don't get, okay, listen to somebody else who does. There's nothing wrong with that. It's still the word of God. Amen? Amen. It's still the word of God. Number two. First one is faith. Number two is fellowship. Go back and study the importance of fellowship. This is really important. And I understand. What are we talking? We're talking about the foundations of fruitfulness. Fellowship is really, really, really key to your growth. Fellowship is really key. All through the scriptures, Paul says in Thessalonians, he says in Hebrews 10, he says in Colossians 3.16. Let's turn to Colossians 3.16. How about that? Let's start there. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. What does that, talk, what does that tell you about? Church, dude. Yeah. I was talking about church. I was talking about what you're doing here. There is no victory in the life of a believer without fellowship. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is really important. This is a family. This is a fellowship. This is really important that you understand fellowship is key. In fact, in Hebrews 10, now I, I understand the context. Paul is talking about the end of the age. I get it all that. But in, in, he still emphasizes, I think it's 10, 24. Go to Hebrews 10, 24. Verse 19. Let's, let's, let's start at 19. Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us do what? Draw near. Draw near. Amen. Amen. With a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. 24. He's still continuing the same conversation, right? Take it all in its context. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Is this new covenant verses? For you to walk in love and good works, you need to rub on each other. Let us... Consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Is love already in you? Yeah? Love is already in you. Where's good works? It's already in you. Say good works. I got good works in me. I got love in me. But being around each other, being in fellowship, stirs it up. It's down in the bottom of your well, but being around each other stirs it up. I'm telling you, this is not a joke, folks. And I'm not even talking about church. Church is cute, but there's only so much you can do in church. I'm talking about how you fellowship during the week, how you talk to each other, how iron sharpens iron. How much of your conversations during the week are just funny, cute stuff? Or is it really stuff that edifies and, and encourages? Is it really stuff that builds up each other's giftings? 
Is what I am saying bringing up in you that which is lying dormant within you? Is what, what happens when you hang around each other stirring up gifts and manifestations that are among each other? Fellowship is important. I'm telling you, this is one of the five foundations of living in fruitfulness. Faith, yes. Number two, fellowship. And then Paul goes on to say in verse 25, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves, as is the manner of some. Not forsaking the assembling of us as the manner of some, but doing what? Exhorting one another. You see what you do when you gather together? You store up love, you store up good works, and you exhort one another. I like it, I like it, I like it. This is what happens in fellowship. It's really, really important. Really important. If you don't prioritize these five principles, you're never going to walk in the fullness of fruitfulness. I'm telling you. Number one, faith. Number two, fellowship. Number three, forgiveness. Let me, let me finish this one quickly. Forgiveness is a two-edged sword. Forgiveness is not just you having to forgive everybody else. The first, first and most important forgiveness is you living a guilt-free, condemnation-free life, which is really the art of forgiving yourself. Are you listening to me? Yeah. Amen? True, true forgiveness begins with me accepting that I am forgiven. You will never accept, be able to forgive yourselves until you see the fact that Jesus has already forgiven you. You hear me? If you don't forgive yourself, you will walk around uh, saying no to the blessings that God has for you. You will walk around saying, oh, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that. Oh, but I don't deserve that. Okay, you don't deserve it then. And here's God trying to bring things into your life, but you're walking in condemnation and guilt because you didn't pray this morning or you didn't read your Bible this morning or you just cussed at your father or you did something. So you walk around walking in guilt because you didn't do this. The truth is if you can get rid of that guilt, you would actually be sitting longer in the presence of God. You hear me? Number one, first and foremost, walking in forgiveness, forgiving yourselves. How can I forgive myself, man? Dude, you don't even know. You can forgive yourself. If God found you worthy to be forgiven, then you better forgive yourself because if you don't do that, you are telling God what you did is wrong. Mm-hmm. You hear me? Yeah. Say this, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. Forever, forgiven. forever forgiven. Hebrews 10:14. for by one offering as he perfected forever those who are made holy. For by one single offering he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. Amen. You're not becoming consecrated. You hear me? You are not becoming sanctified. You are sanctified. Amen. You are holy. Amen. 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 If you walk around not forgiving yourself, you're living in unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. Guilt is a bigger form of unforgiveness than even you not forgiving another person. You hear me? Yeah. Please hear me. Guilt is the biggest form of unforgiveness. You can forgive yourself, can you? So you walk around blaming. And so whatever you can't forgive yourself for, you'll always find it hard to forgive others. I'm telling you the truth. At the end of the day, most people who don't, can't forgive themselves will always have a hard time forgiving others. Mm-hmm. Learn to forgive yourself. You are forgiven. God does not hold your sins against you. God does not think about the sins he knows you're going to do. He still chooses to ignore them. He still, God does not live in unforgiveness. God does not live in unforgiveness. There was one big forgiveness God had to do. And that's it. He did one big forgiveness. And you know who he forgave? He forgave his son Jesus. You better believe it. That's a good one. He forgave Jesus. 
And because he forgave Jesus, you were in Jesus when Father forgave you. And therefore, he is not going around forgiving you today. Because once and forever, God the Father forgave Jesus and therefore forgave mankind forever. Amen. That's good stuff. Come on now. Amen. You are forgiven. You have no right to be mad at yourself. Don't walk in unforgiveness. Don't walk in guilt. Don't walk in shame. It has no place in your life. You listening to me? It has no place in your life. You are redeemed from unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is not part of your nature. God doesn't walk in unforgiveness. You cannot walk in unforgiveness. Say, I forgive me. Say your name, Zach. I forgive you. Forever forgive you. Say your name, Zach. God has forgiven you forever. And therefore, I forgive you forever. I take away my right to be in unforgiveness towards you. I am forgiven. Because God forgave me, I forgive me. In Jesus' name. Number two, not only is forgiveness towards yourself, but the one that we all are very familiar with. It's walking in unforgiveness towards someone else. Listen to me. Give up your right to be offended. You have no right to be offended. Did you hear me? Yes. I didn't say you didn't have a will to. Of course you do. Of course you have the will to. You have the will to go sin too. That's not the point. Are you listening to me? You give up your right to be mad at people. You give up your right to be offended at people. I will not be offended. I will not be offended. I will not take offense to what you say. You can forsake me. You can give up on me. You can betray me. You can do whatever you want. I will not be. I'm telling you, the last couple of weeks, this has been really hard on me. There's somebody that I've had no problem forgiving. After all they did to me, everybody else had to go through forgiveness issues and I let the Lord give you the grace to forgive this person. But it was really easy for me. But in the last couple of weeks, it was like a hammer falling on my head. And I had a really hard time going, oh, I'm so mad at this guy. How could he do this to me? Right? And except I had to, I had to sit back and go, what? what? I had no problem earlier, but now I have a problem. Where, where did this come from? That's not me. What was naturally me was that. It's okay. Forget it. Move on. But all of a sudden, here I am like struggling with, oh, God, God, Jesus, just smite him once, Lord. You know? Just, Lord, no, 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 no. Forgive. 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 I have no right to live in unforgiveness. That, that mom and dad you hate, that, that father-in-law you can't stand, the mother-in-law you can't, forgive. You have no right. As much right as you have to live in unforgiveness, that much space you are giving to the enemy in your life. Well, I'm in the new covenant. Yeah, because you're ignorant if you walk around living in unforgiveness. Preach. I will not give Satan any foothold in my life. Impossible. Impossible. I'll tell you why. Because you ain't that important enough for me to lose my right to be living in love. I love you, but you ain't all that. I'm not going to lose my... I'm not going to let the devil get a foothold just because I'm mad at you. You ain't all that much to me. Make, Make sense? I'm not being rude by what I'm saying. I'm just being very honest. I love you and all, but nah. Yeah. The level of your hurt, the level of your struggle to unforgive is proportionate to the level of unreasonable expectations placed on somebody. Mm. If you didn't have expectations, you wouldn't be offended. 
are you offended by some dude on the on the on the street or pat on the on the floor as they drove by you? You can't even remember his face. Say, I, God has forgiven me. Therefore, I forgive all. Since God forgave me, I forgive me. And because I am forgiven by the undeserved grace of God, I will forgive others, even though they don't deserve it. Forgiveness has nothing to do with someone repenting. Forgiveness has nothing to do with someone saying sorry to you. Meaning, as long as you don't forgive them, you are walking in that heaviness and that carrying this burden on your shoulder about the other. Like, they're not worth it. You forgive them whether they apologize or not. I forgive you. You have no hold on me. I forgive you. Why? Because I am a forgiving machine. Say that. I am a forgiving machine. Say, I forgive by default. It is impossible for me to not forgive. Because Jesus forgives. I'm just like Jesus. I forgive. No offense. You hear me? No offense. No offense. No offense. Give up your right to roll your eyes at somebody. I'm telling you. That's, that's your old fallen nature. Why are you acting like, the, like a dead body? It stinks. Why are you putting on a dead body that's dead? That eye rolling is not who you are. You get offended at the snap of a bow. Someone says something, you're immediately mad. Oh, I know what you mean. Your offense only shows how insecure you are about yourself. You getting offended only shows how insecure and not grounded you are in who you are. Because if you are grounded in who you are, nobody can do nothing to you. Why? Because your identity brings security. Your identity brings security. It's the part of you that wants to prove to somebody who you think you are and you want them to know that too. That's when you walk around getting offended. When somebody doesn't see you the way you think they should see you. Say, I'm a forgiving machine. I'm a forgiving machine. No offense in my life. No offense in my life. Say this, I cancel the power, I cancel the power of somebody else's words, somebody else's words to, affect me. to affect me. Come on now. Amen. You hear me? Say this, I cancel the power of someone else's words to affect me. I know who I am. I am. And therefore I forgive. Four. I'm going to run through this quickly, but it's really important. Number one, what? Speak. Number two. Number three. Number four is family. Family. And when I say family, I'm talking about honor. I'm talking about honor. I've said this to many of you and you're going to get really mad at me for saying this again. If you really changed, the ones that see you the most, the closest to you are the ones that will see it first. It's really easy to convince your boyfriend that you changed because he wants to believe that. But if there really is a change, your family will see it. If God dealt with your temper, if God dealt, oh yeah, God dealt with that. Then the first people that will, be, that will see it will be your family. I'll give you an example of someone in the ministry that I sort of encouraged. I said, you got to learn to honor your family and do that monetarily. And so she went and prayed about it. And the Lord gave her an amount that I knew the amount already. And she went and sowed it into the family. Lord Jesus, till that day, she was the Antichrist. But the moment the money touched the hand of the family, she was the biggest angel in heaven. 
You know what they said immediately? I guess your church is teaching you something right. If there is change, they'll see it. If there is true change, they will see it. How you treat your mother, how you treat your father, I don't care if they are full of the devil. Honor is not dependent on that person's worthiness to receive right. it. Yeah. You're right. Honor is not dependent on that person's credibility or worthiness to receive it. It's dependent on how secure you are in who you are. Because when you give it, it doesn't change you. You're not cutting off a piece of your kidney while you're honoring somebody. And when they don't appreciate it, you get really offended. I gave you my kidney and you didn't love me enough. You are not giving anything from you when you honor somebody. You are grounded. You are secure. You are who you are. And yet you honor. When you honor, it doesn't change a thing. You're not expecting anything. You honor because it is the right thing to do. Family is really important, folks. And when we say family, there's something you have to understand. There is a hierarchy. When we say family, there is a head. there There is a rule. There is a family. There's people. It is a family. You know why that whole thing fell apart, right? The whole Jesus movement. Because there was no order. Great movement, great sincerity, great hunger, but there was no order. The whole thing fell apart. Huh? I don't want to bring an authoritarian extreme of kind of the shepherding movement in here either. I don't believe in that junk. Where it's all authority and no freedom. Or it's all freedom and no structure. We need to have a balance of both of these things. Amen? The prophetic and the apostolic working together. Family is really important, folks. It'll always be important. Now hear me when I say this to you. I learned early in ministry, a spiritual father is not a spiritual father until his spiritual children have children themselves. This is really important. Really, 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 really important. A spiritual father is not a spiritual father until his spiritual sons have their own children. You getting sons just means you're attractive and you have leadership skills. But the ability to empower my children to bear children, Mm. now that's sonship right there, dude. It wasn't about Jesus just calling us sons. He says, now go make disciples. Mm -hmm. Amen. It is your ability to bear fruit and create sons. So now let me ask you this question. If you are called to be a, a parent, a spiritual parent, you think that'll change your lifestyle just a little bit in your job? Yeah. You think that'll change your language just a little bit? That jokes, some of that humor just goes out the window? Mm-hmm. Have you noticed when our children come, we stop joking some things? Mm-hmm. Learning to keep certain things where they belong is maturity. Mm-hmm. Family is really important. Because that is God's way. In fact, the first thing God established on the earth was a family. Mm-hmm. God was not looking for, you know, just a bunch of breeding like a piglet dog just making a bunch of stuff. No, he was looking for a family. You hear me? God was looking for a family. Are you learning something today? God is looking for a family. A family is important to God and therefore a family is important to you. And I don't care. I'm not just saying in your spiritual family. I'm also speaking about your home family, man. You better learn how to honor that mom and dad of yours. I don't care if they're saved or not saved. You honor them. You love them anyway. You love them and you honor them. Why? Because you're not honoring them because they are worthy of honor. You're honoring them because God told you to honor. It's really important. You honor in spite of, not because of. Learn the art of honoring in spite of. And that goes in your marriages too, husbands and wives. 
give up your right to go to bed offended. I don't mean you stay up and fight all night. <laughs> don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Stay all night and fight, right? No. Remember God's hierarchy. That's how God does it. That's how God wants you to prioritize it. Amen? And whether those family members deserve it or not, you love them. You honor them. You show that mom and dad of yours that you're changed. If they can see the change in you, they'll respect you. You with me? One of the first things that I emphasize on more than anything else is learn to honor your mom and your father and mother. I did not say that you have to live up to all their expectations. You cannot. They are unreasonable. But if you, under the sight of God, can learn to honor them, honor them, honor them, they may not feel like their expectations are filled, but they should feel honored by you. Folks, I'm telling you, that little snappy attitude, that nasty little snappy back-answering attitude is disgusting. It's your fallen nature. It's not who you are. You lose the right to talk back to your parents right now. And also learn to love and honor your church family. Five. Faith, fellowship, forgiveness, family. We're talking about our keys to fruitfulness. Amen? And the last thing is your finances. Yes, I am a gracer. But even before we came to grace, we saw the power of how finances work when it comes to honoring people. You don't have to be a gracer to see that. So when I see grace becoming an excuse to people to not even have to give the 10% anymore, how pathetic is that? My friend Sham Kishore in, in, in India who's got the 80,000 member church, he tells his church, start at 20. If you really are a grace person, you really talk in this, then you give your tithe, but you sow the 10, the other 10 and offerings too. I'm not making any rules with you. But I'm telling you folks, don't let money tell you how much to give. Don't let your bank account tell you how much to sow, how much to give. Be a default giving money machine. Be a giver. Be a radical giver. Some of your breakthroughs are waiting for you to get over your love for money. You please hear me right now. Oh, well, I don't have any money. In the book of Genesis chapter 5, I believe it, as long as the earth remains, there will always be seed, time and harvest. I cannot plant a seed into the ground and command it in Jesus' name to come forth and bear fruit. It's not going to work. The way it operates is seed, time and harvest. But you have the ability to even bend time with your faith. Accelerated by how much you give. If you don't give up this love, how do I know that I have a love for money? You cringe every time someone talks about it. Why you cringe? If you are a natural giver, you should cringe. Stop feeling guilty. I'm speaking your identity. I'm not guilting you. I'm telling you who you are. And I'm telling you to stop acting like who you're not. Big key to your fruitfulness, folks. Big key to your fruitfulness. At every juncture in my life, whenever God needed to take me to the next level, this is in grace, folks. Whenever God wanted me to take me to the next level, He always whispered something for me to sow. 
I, I, don't, I don't walk around guilty. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, none of that stuff. But when God, whenever I needed a breakthrough in certain areas, whenever I wanted to see a job, whenever I wanted to see a promotion, I remember when Pris needed a, a huge grant. She tied 10% of what the grant was in faith. And we didn't even have much of that really, to be honest with you. And the next day or the next week, God gave her that whole $100,000 grant. Just boom. Sometimes it just is waiting for you to see. It's not that this is works or this is... No, 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 no. This is really waiting to see. Do you really believe this stuff? Yeah. Do you really believe it? Or is it just, well, I'm, I'm, I'm giving my tithes, aren't I? You know what you sound like when you talk like that? Mm. Believers don't talk like that, man. Y'all, let money flow out of your hands like water. Because the speed with which you sow is the speed with which you grow. I'm telling you, it just, that's just how it happens. The next level in your life is dependent on your obedience to the seed. Mm. At every stage in your life, you, you're believing for something big, sow into it. I love, I mean, I, I want you all to know, my kids in this ministry, when they get their scholarship, they come and tie their scholarship into the ministry. What is wrong with you? What is awesome about you is what I say. Because it's not my salary that lets me blessed. You better hear me now. Amen. It's not my labor, my salary. I'm blessed because I'm blessed. Amen. And God takes good care of me. Amen. I, you'll never hear me talk about finances in a negative way. And yet I'll be paying all your bills. I'll never let you pay for my dinners. It's going to be that way till the day you die. Because <laughs> I'm blessed. Folks, finances is a big, big deal. If you can overcome that obstacle in your life to where money doesn't tell you what to do. You tell money what to do. Do you know that you have the power to speak to your money? Did you know that? Did you know you can command your money to go bear fruit? If Jesus could speak to a fig tree and command it to die, you can speak to your money and command it to live. You won't be begging, running around looking for jobs. Jobs be looking after you. Please hear me. Let's die to greed. Let us yeah. die to that demon of mammon. Yeah. You hear me? It has no place in our life. Say this. I walk by faith. I, walk by faith. I, live, in I live in fellowship. I am a forgiving machine. I walk with honor in my family. I am a giver. And God blesses my finances. In Jesus' name. If you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can repeat this simple prayer with me right now, wherever you are. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you as I am and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for me. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is my Lord. I am yours forever in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today for this teaching. We would love to hear from you. You can write us at ZCIM PO Box 592675, San Antonio, Texas 78259. For more information on ZCIM, please visit us at zcim.org or on Facebook and Twitter at ZCIM Official. God bless you.